Yo, check us out. Chuck, the public enemy. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DLC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking God. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Z-Man. What up, yo? This is E-Shot. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This is your boy, DJ Paul K.O.L. for 36 Young Busy Bone. Vice One. This is your man, Matt Mine the Hellraiser. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you listen to me on the Murder Master Music Show. Appreciate you for having me on the show. Man, uh, you, you know, I definitely, I definitely got to recognize your talents, brother, because uh, you got your uh, big break by, uh, you know, doing production for T.I. Um, right. That was one of our, early on, that was one of the big covers I did at Murder Dog. I did a few okay. before he came along, but, um, you know, when he came out, you know, it was, it was huge to be able to interview him for a cover. I imagine it was huge for you, a uh, producer, coming up to be able to do a track for him. But before we get into that, I want to go back a little bit. Um, how did your uh, musical, uh, you know what I'm saying, love for music start, and who were some of your musical influences early on? Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Um Early on, um, I actually was listening to a lot of alternative music back in like the 90s, early 90s. And my best friend, um, Bubba, uh, around that around that time, he put me on to um, a, a few CDs. And the first one he gave me was uh, Enter, the Wu-Tang, uh, the, Enter the 36 Chambers by Wu-Tang and uh, the Notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die. So um, that was like my intro to hip hop. 
and even before that, um, you know, I've, I've, I'm classically trained in piano and guitar and uh, with guitar comes bass and uh, also can play saxophone. So I play a number of instruments, you know, um, and uh, been playing since I was like super young. So uh, that's my background on a technical level. And then, you know, just for the love of hip hop, you know, that's when I started to get into it around 90, 93 or so. So, yeah, and I started to make beats around like 99, um, and uh, didn't really believe in it, but a friend of mine um, named Eddie Smith, he is uh, part of Watch the Duck, and um, if you're familiar with them, they had a big hit called, um, um, I think it was called Set It Off or uh, Break You Off, something like that, um, and uh, they got signed with Pharrell and uh, Steve Aoki, and they've done a lot of stuff with T.I. as well. But Eddie was the guy that put me on to production. It was like, hey, man, you can really make some beats with this talent that you have. And uh, at that time, I didn't really even know what making a beat was around 99. I was just really just having fun with it. And then also, I was in my dad's band as well at a young age from like 8 to 15. So that helped me structure in my, my own mind on how like instruments uh, interact with each other, you know, from drums to bass to guitar to keys i played keys in my dad's band and you know it's just a lot of just you know vietnamese weddings and stuff like that that we played for but um and then some one-off shows that he that my dad had but other than that you know that's pretty much that pretty much sums up in a nutshell what my background is musically yeah yeah absolutely um so, you know, it says here you're, you know, you're classically trained, you know, piano, guitar, saxophone and stuff in your bio. Um, you know, what, what, have you ever done anything like with like uh, uh, orchestras or bands or, or anything outside of, uh, you know, what I'm saying like the production realm? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have uh, won competitions classically. Um, I played with the Tuscaloosa Symphony Orchestra at one point. Um, wow. was also offered a scholarship to Alabama, but I didn't take it because that's not what I wanted to do uh, music performance-wise and piano. So I played with the orchestra. I think it was the Prokofiev Third, Third Movement, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's a really complicated piece. So um, you could probably look that up on Spotify and hear it. But um, I played that with the with the orchestra, and that was really cool, really awesome experience. Um, and then I also was um, invited to go to the Tanglewood Institute in Boston. Um, if you're not familiar with that, that's a really high end um, musical um, um, invite uh, for all of the most uh, talented musicians uh, in high school around the world. And they get invited there for like a week or two. And, um, you know, um, they get trained by some of the best um, teachers around the world that fly in as well to teach. And it's around like during the summertime. So pretty cool experience with that as well. So, yeah, I've had a few things with classical music, state competitions as well, winning those as well. So, but I appreciate you asking me for that. Nobody really asked me about that. (laughs) Well, because, you know, when you listen to, you know, I'm a fan. I'm not musically inclined at all, but I have an ear for the music. And when you listen to hip hop, you hear all elements of everything. You know, right, um, right. it's kind of like the band ZZ Top. You can't put that band in a box. 
Those right. guys have too many different sounds. They can take it all the way from country to hip hop and everywhere else in between. You know, and um I believe somebody like yourself with all, all that knowledge in music Man, it's got to greatly benefit you in hip-hop production. Do you like to use different elements of those different genres? I do, um, only when it's when it's called for. You know, yeah. different eras have different times, you know, with, with music. And, you know, be honest, like, hip-hop is just like, it, they, you only take samples of, of, like, huge movements of, like, you know, masterpieces from piano or you know from just regular songs so um but me personally um i've always tried to be a lot more musical in my records uh whenever i produce um so that's that's what i like to do to bring more depth to um music um production and i feel like it's very evident with the latest release of uh Toby's last definition of a trapper that I worked on um, this past uh, December uh, that really displays the the type of depth that I that I would like to do on records. You know what I'm saying? That you can't really demonstrate uh, a lot, um, but I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, head that project and be able to display that type of uh, the depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the range, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, right. You know, you um, you know, coming up in Alabama, there's a lot of talent over there. It's a, it's really an untapped market. Of course, you have right. groups like like Dirty, um, yeah. you know what I'm saying, and and um, you know what I'm saying, many others. ROA. I mean, I can go down the list. Um, what what was it like for you coming up and in, in the era that you came up in? Were you able to learn from the guys before you? Um. To be honest, I was not around too much around when Dirty was popping off, and Dirty was like the number one group at the time. Um, this was like maybe early 2000s, maybe, something like that. So uh, I kind of came into the the hip-hop scene in Alabama like after 2005, and I was just a, a nobody around that time. And uh, just worked my way up, man, you know, um, and – you know that that TI placement um with TI versus TIP in 2007 uh that was that beat was made in October of 2005 so um when that got placed in 2007 that definitely put me on profile a lot higher than um than most people in Montgomery and so um yeah definitely I I didn't learn much I really just kind of learned from like one other person that learned from uh the producer of uh of uh Dirty and Dr. Fangers he's like the the OG the godfather of production in Montgomery and uh did a lot of records with Dirty and uh, I learned from the guy that learned from him and uh, it just went from there so uh but I pretty much had my own style man pretty much had my own style um and just developed on my own a lot a lot actually so definitely well, well coming in in 2005 you got to see the game change a lot just in the last 15 16 years you know right. it was much different back then you know way um, different yeah 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 way different now you said you came in uh, very humbly you say as a nobody 
you know, uh, here we are today, your platinum producer. So congratulations to you for that. Um, I appreciate it. How did you get your big break as far as, you know what I'm saying, like hooking up with T.I.? Uh, well, that was actually through a producer named K.O. So uh, the story behind that was that um, I was working with a girl named Venitra, and uh, she was an R&B artist and singer and songwriter, and uh, this did a few records for her. Um, and then she actually introduced me into K.O., um, who had op- just opened up a studio in Montgomery. And, um, you know, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. Um, when I met him, you know, the first thing he was like, said was, you know, so you got some beats for me. And um, I just thought that was kind of weird, you know what I'm saying? Um, just straight to it, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but I, I eventually, you know, I gave him like, maybe 20 30 beats and then i actually helped them on like 70 others you know what i'm saying so uh you know i don't i didn't know the protocols or what to do or how to do stuff you know what i'm saying but basically you know ko took one of the beats and uh submitted it to ti and um he got it placed um, but the the underlying story behind that is that he made it look like that he made the record so uh, on the backstory end of that, there's a lot of uh, back and forth, you know what I'm saying? A lot of, a lot of turmoil, a lot of like tension, you know, when it came to, you know, uh, uh, clearing the record, you know what I'm saying? And um, um, I met a partner at the time who didn't make the record with me. I met him later after the fact. And uh, he had a, a person named uh, Lady Drew. And she was the manager of um, business manager of Akon and Divine Stevens of Upfront Megatainment in Atlanta. So, uh, and around that time, you know, Akon is huge. You know what I'm saying? So uh, she handled the business, and um, she got she got actually got me co-production credit along with my partner, and I put my partner on as as uh, uh, for for being credited, which she probably should not have. You know what I'm saying? And I also gave him like half of my money, which he probably should not have had too. But, you know what I'm saying? Just to show my loyalty, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you know, I ended up falling out with all of these people, you know what I'm saying? Um, Because of the business side. And I just really struck out on my own after that, you know what I'm saying? So, and been a lot better off since then. Um, But that's kind of like a a good slash bad side of the story, you know, but truthful story behind everything when it came to T.I. And then, you know, later on, like, you know, I meet T.I. later on with through through Dobie, you know what I'm saying? So I eventually worked with him again, but more on the engineering and mixing side, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it all kind of worked out, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Karma wise, you know what I'm saying? So that's how that worked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, it, it happens all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, fortunately, you hear about it. A lot of times people just don't get paid what they're worth or what they contribute. Not only that, sometimes they just don't even get recognized at all. Right. Uh, you know, but you and T.I., uh, were, you, were you guys able to you know patch things up, you said? It was never an issue between me and T.I. It was more of an issue between me and K.O., the producer. And, uh, you know, I don't speak to him to this day. You know, it just is what it is. And, you know, I know now, looking back at it now, it was just business. 
You know what I'm saying? So, but me being very young and being very naive, but also playing it very smart, um, you know, just, uh, you know, when you come and say, hey, fam, you know, you're my family and this and that, it just, and then, you know, the business side of it is basically looking to rob you. It just doesn't add up. You know what I'm saying? So that was like a cold introduction into the music business and also like a huge placement for me, the the, the hugest place, the biggest placement for me. So, um, you know, that, that just, that just gave me a very good intro into the music business and kind of like, to be honest, made me a bit cynical, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and more non-trusting, you know what I'm saying? But, um, Maybe if I started off in a different way and I had a mentor to kind of guide me and and help me to understand how things went in this business, I probably would have done things a little bit differently. But um, it is what it is, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not I'm not complaining. You know, I'm living a good life still and doing doing you know still major label work as well. You know what I'm saying? So we'll we'll talk about that later. But you know, still doing good stuff, man. Karma, like I say, man, karma has its ways. Of rewarding or yeah. punishing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, is that that why you, you decide? You know what? I'm, I'm going to the other side of the world, or did you already kind of have that in the works? Well, actually, no. I didn't come over here to China until 2018. So, um, you oh, know, after the recent, yeah. Yeah, it's recent, super recent. So, you know, none of this is 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 old of an old move, but. You know, after I fell out with my production partner um, and, you know, didn't work out things out with KO and I started on my own studio in 2009 and, you know, that really flourished and helped me to grow exponentially as an as a engineer, like recording and mixing and mastering engineer. <clears throat> and then um, I later on meet Dobie later on, you know, through my studio. And that was a lot more rewarding uh, working with him more than anything else. Uh, because it, it, we were working from the ground up, and that's like uh, that's like the, one of the best feelings in the world, as far as like a producer or engineer working with an upcoming artist, and they get their break. And unfortunately, he didn't. He passed before he really broke out um, to be a superstar. But you know, it is what it is, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know. Um... But uh, you, you said you recently moved, you know, to China. Um, man, what have been the um, adjustments you've had to make going from uh, Alabama to China? Oh, it's huge, man, huge. It's, first off, it's a culture shock for one. You know, my wife works over here, and she teaches um, at an international school. And, you know, I've been in Alabama all my life, so I just felt like it was just a, a good change, you know, a good way to grow a good way to, you know, stop recording and then focus mainly on mixing and mastering and production. Um, and that's what uh, I accomplished, you know what I'm saying? Um, I was doing very well with my studio. And when I left that first year, uh, it was it was a bit of a struggle, you know what I'm saying? I felt like I needed to up my game if I was going to focus solely on mixing and mastering at the time. And, you know, I had to, had to you know, relearn some things and um, learn more things to progress and become better. Um, but uh, here, uh, personally here in China, yeah, it's definitely a, um, a huge uh, culture shock. You know, nobody speaks English over here. Uh, 
well, you know, um, there is an expat community where they do speak English. Um, but for the most part, like if you're trying to move around man, you have to really, really be on your toes as far as like, you know, watching out for scooters and cars and, you know, um, people bumping into you. And, you know, it's like a, it's a big, fast moving city. And these scooters that shoot around here, they have no, they're not gas, they're electric electric scooters so they're very silent so one wrong move you can get hit you know what i'm saying and then um shopping over here is different you know what i'm saying everything is is way different like you have to translate everything just to order some food and all that type of stuff but the plus of it is is that you know it's very safe over here and obviously it's very safe because of because of the covid situation and then also too um things are actually super cheap here you know and everything can be delivered to your door so that's like super awesome you know what i'm saying like i can order anything you know i can order like a box of chicken uh or like something super healthy for like under five dollars delivered to my door in about 30 minutes or 45 minutes or so and um and then i can also order stuff that you know that i need you know some things for my studio or just some stuff that i want uh, delivered to my doorstep, you know, without having to leave, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but also there's plenty of shopping here as well. So it's like a hundred malls here in Shanghai alone. So, uh, there's not, there's nothing that, that you couldn't do here. You can't run out of stuff to do here, obviously. And I, I still haven't seen like 90% of Shanghai yet. So I still got a lot of uh, seeking and searching to do, uh, once spring yeah. comes. That would be my thing, you know, just, uh, you know, look at the historical different things. And, you know, because China is one of those places that preserved its history and culture for thousands and thousands of years. But um, I want to go back right. and point out something. You were talking about the COVID situation, uh, and you said it's safe there. And uh, because uh, uh, you guys take it serious here in a lot of parts of the United States, they still think it's a hoax, man. Like, I still yeah. see people walk around with no mask on. And over there, isn't it part like, to wear a mask just part of life right now? I mean, in general, was, even before this yeah. started. Even before, because of the um, the air quality, people will wear masks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's an AQI meter, and if it goes above 100, you know, then you got to wear a mask, especially if it's, you're sensitive. Above 150, you definitely got to wear a mask. Everybody does. Um, so yeah, it was already just a part of it. So when the COVID situation came, you know, it wasn't a question to wear a mask, you know what I'm saying? Even though, you know, it might not protect you all the way. It's just, you know, people wear it and with no issue. So, uh, and then, you know, the Chinese man, you know, they're, they're super efficient, bro. They're like super efficient. They built a hospital in like 10 days, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, there's a lot of negative stuff that people will say about China, but, um, you know, uh, I, I like how they handled it, you know what I'm saying, to a point, you know what I'm saying? Um, and that's the reason, one of the reasons why it's back to normal here for the most part. And uh, people, you know, get crazy if there's like one to three breakouts, you know what I'm saying, or yeah. one to three cases, and that's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Oh. They have a they have a perfect contact tracing uh, 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 tied in with the app, and you know what I'm saying. Like, 
you know, if you're not doing anything wrong, then, you know, I mean, they're going to track you and, you know, there's a whole thing with China tracking you and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't have a problem with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not doing anything crazy. Keep you my know. family safe. Um, yeah. Here they don't care. Uh, the town I live in, these morons, um, they defied the governor's orders and kept their restaurants open for dining the whole time. They never yeah. shut down and, and they were never punished. So uh, someone like myself, you know, um, I've, I've had a pre-existing condition for like 20 years. I pretty much got to mm-hmm. stay inside and avoid everybody. <laughs> like you said, maybe yeah. everything to the door, you know. Um, I'm, man, I might I might go to China, man, straight up, dude. I might go to China because yeah. um, yeah. there's got to be, um, you know, uh, somewhere better than the United States. It's kind of like a sinking ship here right now. Did you yeah. kind of sense that? Did you kind of like get a, a idea that, man, this place is kind of like, like on its last leg? No, I, I really didn't. You know, I actually hated to leave, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But um, with Trump, man, like really just the leadership behind the virus just really just sank the sank the economy there. You know what I'm saying, and uh, and and everything else. You know, so it's just, you know, just really ridiculous. So I, I didn't sense it, man. But man, I thank God that I'm over here and and able to move. Even though I still don't even move around like that. I mean, I have the option to without having to worry, and that's the yeah. biggest thing. Like, cause I, we, you know, when when COVID hit, we flew back to the states. Me and my family, um, February second you know and there's a drop of a dime we flew uh back in one day uh after buying the tickets and we're stuck there actually until like september october you know to fly back and to fly back into china was hell that was that was complete like anarchy like you had to test for covid before you leave 48 hours before you get on the plane then you had to present your papers that you tested negative to get on the plane and then once you get off the plane here you had to test again and then you have to register uh with the government and then they will take you to a quarantine hotel and you have to stay there until your test results are negative or if you're positive you had to quarantine there for 14 days or until you're well and then you can leave the hotel um, but luckily, we were able to quarantine um, at our new home a couple of days after uh, being at the hotel and testing negative. And, uh, you know, I wore my N95 mask the whole time on the flight. And luckily, we were around a lot of old people. So uh, we didn't get we didn't test positive. And, you know, thank God for that, man. It's just really a, a, a somewhat of a miracle coming over here without getting sick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can't even imagine, man. That's uh, that's insane, you know. Um, yeah. Man, well, thank God you guys are safe. Um, right. I want to shout out uh, Dove um, for uh, hooking up this interview. She uh, told me originally that uh, you took on the Dobe project. Um, right, right. Which, uh, for people that don't don't know, I think he's been deceased since uh, 2013. Yeah. Um, what happened to him? Was he was he killed? Yes, he was killed inside of a club um, with a beefing. He had some beef with some people, and I think actually they um, they weren't originally gunning for him. 
You know what I'm saying? There was some uh, there was uh, some people that w- he was with, um, and uh, but you know he did get in an altercation with those same people um, that uh, uh, that that shot and killed him, um, and it actually turned you know is is from it stemmed from an older beef where you know he got robbed um the year before um and you know Doe knew these people personally like grew up with these guys you know what I'm saying so uh it's very unfortunate man very unfortunate but yeah he got killed inside of the club which is crazy 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 it's like a, a proof from D12 type situation um yeah you know, he got killed inside the club. Now you said these were his his people. That's that's always unfortunate too. Um, we keep hearing about that. You know, like Nipsey Hussle. I think his killer was somebody he knew. Um, did they ever catch the guys? Or? Yeah, they did. Um, one of the guys he was sentenced sixty five years, and then there's accomplices that that came with him, you know, but I think one of the guys that uh, was with the with the accomplice is about to get out this year, so you know, and they postponed the trial for like maybe like three four years like they didn't try these guys until like two thousand and seventeen something like that so um yeah man, it's just uh overall like super super classic case of a tragedy you know what i'm saying i would love to do a documentary on it i really would so uh but hopefully that can that can happen in the future you know to really just show like how how you know the rise and fall you know what i'm saying like it's just a very peculiar and interesting and you know very deep and you know in-depth story that could be covered you know that could really actually kind of do well you know what i'm saying but hopefully that that'll get to that point yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Um did you know him for, for long or Yeah, we um met in two thousand eight and uh I was working at another studio at the time and uh you know he has a patch on his eye, so before that, you know, I met him before he got shot in the eye. And um and uh it, it was just, you know, mixing a couple of songs for him and you know, later on, I opened up my own studio, and then 2010, he comes in with another person recording uh, on another person's song, and um, he just decided to, like, you know, after he heard what I did, he decided to work with me uh, at my studio to record all of his new material, and uh, when that happened, um, his, his, um, his profile started to rise from then on. Um, and you know, he has his mixtapes called La- uh, called the definition of a trapper, which was the first one. And then DOAT2 was a sequel and he got signed soon after that, you know what I'm saying? And that, that mixtape had let me find out, which was his, one of his biggest singles and was later on remixed with TI and Juicy J. So, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, I worked on his last posthumous album. And uh, it took a very long time. It's a long road and a lot of history and turmoil between his death and now. But, you know, I'm just very happy that it got released finally to just at least, you know, solidify his legacy somewhat uh, within Alabama and uh, in the underground world. Yeah, it sounds like he was uh, on his way before, unfortunately, his life was cut short. Um, Right. We hear that all too much now in hip hop. You know, yeah. 
Right, um, right, yeah. You know, it's definitely uh, you know, very unfair. Um, I have a song I want to play uh, before we get out of here uh, called Special. But before I do, I got the homie uh, Sin. He's calling from France. So this is a first okay. today in the Murder Master Music Show. We got me in Illinois. We got uh, Bao Fam in China. And we got Sin in France. And wow, what's up, worldwide man? Connected. <laughs> what's up, right. Sin? You there, brother? Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up, Scott? <clears throat> what's up, Bao Fam? Yeah. Hey, how's it going, um, man? Yeah. You're from uh, uh, Alabama, so uh, can you tell us about Bags of J? You guys, uh, Evil A, you know, you got Dirty, you got all this, uh, this old South music. Uh, did you get in contact with them, Bags of J? Back in the day? Um, I, 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 not really, you know, but, you know, um, Big Pimp from Dirty is on Dopey's album. So I did reach out to him to uh to to bless the project actually. So uh, but around that time when um they were popping off dirty and small time ballers and you know deuce comrades um I I really didn't work with them initially. They worked with me later on once uh, uh I produced on the TI vs TIP album, but more, mainly more so as like a mixing engineer, mixing and mastering engineer. Yeah. And for Ira you know, Duke for Life, Chief for Life. I won't buy the day, but it's a classic in, uh, in Birmingham. <laughs> what what song was that? Oh, it's a group, uh, Ero A. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, Scott mentioned that. I'm not familiar with that group specifically. Um, that's probably maybe a little before Dirty or something. Um, I haven't heard of them specifically, but... Um, you know, it was mainly like Dirty, Deuce Comrades, Small Time Ballers, and, you know, a few others uh, around that era where I was at around like 2003, 2004, when I started to kind of step into it in Montgomery. Uh, you're talking about, um, yeah, we're talking about the 90s and, you know, mid-90s yeah. and before. That's like the golden era um, <clears throat> as well. But you came in at a great uh, time, man. You came in just in time to really, you know, get your feet planted in the game. Um, right. Now, working with Ti, did you uh, like learn a lot from him? I mean, was it was it a good experience to work with Ti? Oh, uh, it was really. I, I didn't meet him in person until later on when I worked with Doe. So, uh, you know, like I said, that whole situation with Ko is just very, very complicated situation. Um, and, um, but I did work with him, um, around the baby Jesus mixtape when Dobie was putting that stuff out and, you know, he's a cool guy, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, after Doe passed, there was some issues between me and him, you know, not nothing major, but, you know, um, some things were said here and there and, you know, uh, things didn't get resolved as far as trying to put something out for Doe together um um but you know the there's a whole nother backstory behind that you know where um frank gets into it uh with ti and frank was um Dobie's former manager so uh that really soured a lot of things but yeah it's just a lot of things man i i worked with them during the uh baby jesus and that was pretty much it man you know what i'm saying cool guy you know what i'm saying but 
didn't work too too tough together after um those couple projects. Yeah, it's a shame he couldn't of um whatever animosity he had put it to the side and do something for that Doby project, you know. I'm sure uh you know, Doby's people would have appreciated that, you know. Some oh yeah, but hold yeah, on to yeah, shit, yeah. man, even after death. I don't know why. Right. Well, see, I mean, I don't blame T.I. for what he, he's done, to be honest. You know, his hand, he was he was feeding, you know what I'm saying? He didn't he didn't have to do a lot of the stuff that that he did for Doe initially. You know, he did a lot, you know what I'm saying? What I would say is that what screwed things up was when Frank White went at T.I. and uh, basically disrespected him, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, after somebody disrespects you, after them, you know, biting the hand that feeds them, you know, what do you expect? You know what I'm saying? Do you yeah, expect them to true. keep working? You know, I, I don't. so I have no ill will with uh, T.I. at all. You know what I'm saying? He did the best that he could with the situation he, he was in. And, you know, he didn't support the project. And I know why. You know what I'm saying? Because Frank is involved and is benefiting Frank uh, financially. And uh, he and and Ti knows a lot of other things, you know, that um, that Frank was benefiting from, you know, what I'm saying, and still benefiting from, and was not supporting that because of that, mainly because of that, you know, what I'm saying. So that's why you got to be very careful on on you know with what you say to people and you know stuff like that, and and it, it can really hurt you down the line, you know, what I'm saying, and it definitely hurt Dobie's project, you know, it could have been much bigger. But, you know, we did, I feel like we did a great job considering the circumstances, you know what I'm saying? And and we did the best that we could, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember seeing something, uh, I don't know, this years ago where Frank White was on Instagram saying something about T. I didn't pay it no mind, but that might be what it was all about then. Um, That's what it was, yep. Well, yep. social media is a trip. It's uh you know, it's crazy nowadays. You can't really hide from beef. If it comes at you, you got to, like, address it. And uh, no matter what, you know. Yeah. Uh, it got really deep like with T.I. With, with and Frank, too. You know what I'm saying? It got really deep. It got it, it spilled into the street. You know what I'm saying? So, with, you know, unfortunately. With, oh, with Frank, it, it, it almost got uh, to the point of uh, uh, something serious then, huh? Yeah, super serious. Like I'm not gonna talk about that situation particularly, but it did get serious, and uh, you know, um, you know, you, you got to learn that. You know, Ti ain't no rap guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he he raps for a living, but you know, he, you don't you don't come at somebody like that and and disrespect them when, especially when they've given you everything to succeed you know what i'm saying and but to to frank's benefit as well you know to to play devil, devil's advocate you know frank was going through a lot at the time he didn't know how to handle those death you know what i'm saying and you know um he was going through uh, uh personal issues as well besides the the music stuff and you know he was on a downward spiral you know what i'm saying so um not to you know not to say that you know he 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 to justify what he said and did um i'm just trying to i just try to understand the situation and what people go through and when they say stuff out their mouth it's just something else going on with them you know what i'm saying yeah 
Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, T.I., you know, he, uh, when I interviewed him for the cover of Murder Dog years ago, a very humble individual, you know, he's yeah. kind of taken a lot of hits now. I just heard that he uh, lost his uh, reality show or something. I guess uh, yeah. he's got accusations against him or whatnot. But, um, yeah, they're taking – I guess nowadays they just take your show away or, or your platform or whatever before everything is um, is out there. You know, right? Karma, man. It's like karma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, man. If if he he did put negative energy out there, you know, it's gonna come back at him. Right, Um, right, right. That's why I try to be as positive uh, as possible, man. You know, I've been through some things and you know received karma as well. You know, so you know nowadays it's like, man, I, I I really found like giving is the best thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Giving your best, being of service, being of value to people. You know, it comes back tenfold, man. And, you know, it, it's definitely benefited me, you know, just in, you know, working with Dobie's project. That was for no money. That was for nothing. You know what I'm saying? I don't benefit from that much at all. You know what I'm saying? If anything, I lost financially on yeah. that project. You know what I'm saying? But, like, the the giving that I did is blessing me now. Cause I got a mixed placement on um, this new artist named Clever, um, and he signed to Republic Records. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's a, that's a, a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he's about to release a single with Chris Brown. I was able to you know, assist on the album um, for uh, the for Clever's main producer JJ Stevens, and you know it comes out Friday, and hopefully it it does uh, does well. You know what I'm saying? It might it might it might do well actually. So. You know, karma, man. <laughs> karma. Yeah, hey, man. I, I I had a great time talking to you. Uh, you definitely got a good head on your shoulders. You know, we uh, um, we always try to tell people, you know, what I'm saying, to avoid the pitfalls of the industry, because we've had right. a lot of people on here talk about some real dark stuff. I mean, everything from, you know, like you say, you know, people getting killed or whatnot in horrible situations, like what happened to Doe, or um, yeah. to the occult. You know, uh, the act, yeah. I'm not talking about like uh, uh, you know Illuminati, but actual like uh, uh, ritualistic type stuff going on in the industry. You know, oh, yeah. it's crazy. A lot of dark stuff going on. You know, yeah, I, I, I believe I, I it. Doubt you've seen any of that because you, uh, you know, like I said, you uh, seem to avoid all the the bullshit. You know, yeah. but it's out there. Yeah, it is definitely out there. Yeah, I haven't seen any of that type of stuff. I'm lucky that I haven't, you know what I'm saying? Me either. So I, I, so I don't want to see it either, so. <laughs> no, but yeah. hell no. I don't want to go to yeah. the wrong part, you know, that's for sure. Right. But, uh, right. I got just, uh, uh, just one question about, about yes, last Mr. Go ahead, Big. <laughs> Did you met or work it with a... Uh, the last Mr. Big, who was a figure of Alabama, he did his stuff with Three Six Mafia, Purple McCullough. Um, right. His too. Uh, did you meet him back in the day? Or work at I, him? I, I, you know what? The, you know, I was supposed to work with him because Doe B was supposed to collaborate with him and was probably going to try to. Um, he wanted, Doe wanted me to actually remix the uh, Take It to Trial. And uh, so they could so they could um, collab on that because previously Doe had uh, me remix and remake um, 
uh, Project Pat's uh, Gorilla Pimp, uh, and um, you know that turned into um, um, a record on uh, the Baby Jesus album that I did for him. Um, and uh, it was called Return of the Mac. So we wanted to do the same thing with uh, Mr. Big, the last Mr. Big. But unfortunately, he died, um, I think, uh, later on or before Doe died. And then, you know, it just ne- it never got to that point. So, But we were supposed to work together. We were definitely supposed to work together. Oh, okay, right. Tragedy that right there. Uh, rest in peace to him as well. Right, right. Rest in peace. You know, um, well, uh, I'll tell you what, Bob fan, we're going to get out of here. We got this uh, uh, two-piece special track. Uh, if you can, intro this, but before you do, I want to give you the floor um, so you can let cats know uh, whatever they need to know, brother. It's all yours. Right. Appreciate it. Yeah, two-piece special was done uh, around Baby Jesus uh, mixtape and uh, was produced by Carlton Banks and London Blue and, um, you know, uh, after all, it was an incomplete song, and uh, Carlton got the feature from OJ the Juice Man, and um, you know I, I I love his feature. You know what I'm saying? Um, I thought it's a strong record, and you know people love it. And you know, um, man, if, if you guys want to find me out, you know, on social media, you can look me up at Turn Me Up Bow T U R N M E U P B A O on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So just hit me up, holler at me, and let me know. Man, that's what I'm talking about, brother. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you, bro. the interview. Man, look forward to maybe doing a second one down the line. You and yours yes, be sir. safe. And uh, Sid, yes, thank you for calling in as well, brother. We're out of here. Thank you both. Yeah. Chuck, like. What, what you say you want to run in? Two-piece? CBM. All right, pull it around. You trying to purchase selling chickens like this churches? We don't work that bad, we working. Spurs the dope like James Worthy. I don't know you ain't serving. Operation on the kitchen table, cutting it like a surgeon. Clientele coming in a hurry, nigga. This shit urgent. Every time I make a jug, I make a killing. This shit murder. And I'm sipping Derek Fisher. This shit yellow, this shit purple. I'm a bad bitch killer. This shit yellow, this shit purple. And I got some great news today. The flood and drop the numbers. So I'm Cause I knew the day is foreign all summer He said if I caught 10, he'll front a whole hunter Clientele unlimited and he know the kid a mom He want a two-piece special I'm talking church and chickens Put the profit on the Yeah.
uh, now I need to win it, uh, picking up a prison, uh, trying to see a ticket, uh, like church shit, I got chicken, uh, two feet from me winner, uh, two K for my dinner, I got bricks all in the rental, uh, headed back from Denver, in the summer, make it winner, I got pots and pans, jacket chain, circle that look like winners, uh, drop the pocket on the buzzer just to shop and win it, young juice man, nigga, but the hottest in the city, in the two Trap, 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 young nigga better get it. Trap, 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 young nigga better get it. 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 Trap, trap,